In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Good morning. I find myself in just a little bit of a dilemma as I come to the pulpit this morning. Uh, on the one hand, it's October, and uh, you know that's traditionally stewardship season in the church, and uh, you uh, have listened over the last couple of weeks to uh, some parishioners who have uh, talked about stewardship, and um, you should have gotten a letter this week, a commitment card in the mail, and we typically preach at least one sermon on the uh, spiritual importance of financial contribution, and today is that day. On the other hand, in the last few weeks we've been leaning intentionally into the passages, the lectionary passages from the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, not really an official sermon series per se, but just finding the good news of God's grace in Christ in this very rich New Testament letter. And today's passage doesn't have anything to do with money. So, I never want to manipulate a passage, uh, say it says something it doesn't say, especially if that would be uh, money. So, I'm just going to tell you up front that I'm going to talk about Jesus uh, from this passage, the way I think that this passage wants to talk about Jesus, and then at the end, as one of a number of ways which we might respond to this message, I will dutifully say a few words about stewardship. Uh, does that sound fair to you? Is that right? Okay. Well, theologians often describe Jesus as the ultimate and final prophet, priest, and king. And if you want to know uh, about Jesus' office as priest par excellence, then the letter to the Hebrews is where you want to go. Uh, we have seen repeatedly over the last few weeks in these passages over, uh, that over and against the regular high priests in the temple who made atoning sacrifices every day, Jesus is the great high priest. He is eternal, perfect, and without sin, who offered himself as a sacrifice once for all, receiving to himself God's necessary judgment against our sin. And the author continues this theme in our passage this morning, and we could really summarize this morning's passage with one word, and that is forever. Forever. His priesthood lasts forever, and his sacrifice is good forever. That's a big word, forever. And the author says that he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Now, I don't know why, but the word forever always reminds me of a line from that old uh, animated Disney movie, The Fox and the Hound. And if you have seen that or remember that, uh, the baby fox Todd tells the wise owl that he and his new buddy, the hound puppy, Copper, that they're going to be best friends forever. And the wise owl, whose name is Big Mama, and who was played or voiced by the, uh, the late, great Pearl Bailey, uh, tells she knows a thing or two about foxes and hounds, and she tells the little fox lovingly but skeptically, Honey, forever is a long, long time. And that's always stuck with me. 
And that's the way we think about forever. It's a long, long time. When we're stuck in traffic or we're waiting for something to download, we say, this is taking what? Forever. It's taking a long, long time. But actually, forever is more than a long time. Uh, At least in this biblical sense, at least in the way that we pray, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Forever is time without end. Forever is time without death and time without getting tired. Time that makes the Energizer Buddy put to shame. You remember the Energizer Buddy? keeps going and going, you could line up a, a million Energizer buddies and you wouldn't let the second one go till the first one runs out of gas and go all the way through a million and that is not even a grain of sand on the coastline of eternity. Jesus continues as our great high priest forever. And our little minds can't really wrap themselves around Forever. Our lives are always lived in some sense of, with some sense of finality before us. We say all good things must come to an end. Death is ever looming before us. Even our earth had a beginning, and we are pretty sure that it will have in some way will have an end, but not the priesthood of Jesus. There will be no end to his ministry on our behalf. And how can that be? It is because he has conquered death. He is risen forever and without end. He has beaten death and there will not be a time where he is not our great high priest. Actively engaged in intercession to the Father on our behalf. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is As his office of priesthood, he is interceding, he is praying to the Father for you and for me. Do you ever wonder what he says? Oh, Father, he did the dishes without even being asked by his wife. You think so? Oh, Father, she raised three beautiful children. And you know, three out of four ain't bad, so... um, (laughs) I doubt that's what he's saying. Now, I would never presume to prophesy about the divine delicacies that God the Son would speak to God the Father, but I would bet that it's more like, he's with me, Father. She's with me. Oh, Father, I love them so much. Father, thank you for calling them to yourself through me. Father, he is suffering with addiction. Let's give him some patience and some strength. Father, she is really down about her job. Let's remind her that we are on her side. Father, he really messed up. Would you just, would you credit my righteousness to his account? Forever. Without end. And consequently, the author says that he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him. Now that little phrase, for all time. It translates one Greek word, and that is a perfectly fine translation, but because English doesn't work exactly like Greek, for all time is only about half of what that word means. 
it is actually not a word that is chronological specifically in nature. Uh, it means completely or utterly. And the translators, because they were amplifying the word forever, forever, completely, for all time, that, that's the way they translated it. But it actually, uh, it's, time is just one aspect of the comp- completeness with which he saves us. Other versions say he saves us to the uttermost. It means in every time and in every way. In fact, because he is our forever high priest, our our perfect and complete high priest, there is not a way in which he does not save us from the consequences of our sin. The sum total of the sin that you have committed in thought, word, and deed is far less in the love and the grace that He extends to you. The sum total of the sin that has been committed against you and the pain that came with it, He has borne to Himself in every respect. There is not a grief that you bear or an illness that you face or a tragedy that you endure, or for that matter, a celebration that you enjoy that He is not walking with you through. There is nothing in your life that He is not going to have time to get to. Behold, He is making all things new. He holds His priesthood permanently because He continues forever. So His priesthood lasts forever. And secondly, his sacrifice is good forever. The author says, unlike the other high priest, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. Once for all, his sacrifice is forever. Now, Wednesday coming up is Halloween, and my son Luke, who many of you have watched over the years, uh, has a bright blue costume that covers him from head to toe, and it has batteries in it, and it inflates. And so he looks like a giant blueberry. And I wish you could see it. Uh, He is covered completely. There is no part of Luke that you can see. All you can see is the costume. Which obviously is just like God's grace, right? It covers us completely. There's no part of us that is not covered by God's grace. There's not a time in your life that God's grace doesn't cover completely because Jesus gave Himself for you completely. Once. For all. He gave His whole self for your salvation. He gave all of His divinity and all of His humanity. He would rather have died than to live eternity without you. There is no part of Himself that He did not give for you and there is no part of you for which He did not give Himself. His sacrifice is complete. His sacrifice is forever. He did not die to give you a clean slate that you better not mess up again this time. He died once for all your sin across the whole span of your whole life. He died once for all time, for all sins, 
for all people. He died and rose again to wrap you up completely in his death and resurrection. A little like Luke's Halloween costume, except his sacrifice never runs out of batteries. His complete and forever sacrifice requires of you only belief, and even that does not have to be unwavering or without doubt. There are no conditions. There are no catches. But it is, uh, his, it is his complete and forever sacrifice that does come with an invitation. As he has given himself for us completely, he invites us to respond completely. Now, it's easy to hear that with guilt, right? He gave everything for you, so what have you given for him? And then that's a pretty easy jumping off point to stewardship. He gave 100%. All he's asking of you is 10, right? It's not that. The invitation is all grace. And how we respond to his grace is, in fact, all grace, To have God's gracious love to you shape the way that you desire to treat other people. To have God's gracious hospitality to you shape the way that you use your possessions. To have God's gracious sacrifice for you shape the way that you use your time. To have God's gracious word shape the things with which we fill our minds and hearts. And yes, to have God's gracious self-offering shape what we do with our finances. But it's all grace. It's all freedom. And in fact, it's all gratitude. We understand that the very God who spoke this world into existence and who knit us together in our mother's womb, that he gave his very life for us so that we could have, that he could have a relationship with us. Is there any way to respond to him other than gratitude? And I would admit that that gets mixed in with the rest of life. And we can sometimes lose that gratitude in the frustration of a a bad day at work. Or or in the pain of a struggling marriage. Or uh, in the sorrow over the death of a loved one. We can lose that gratitude. And yet it is the same self-giving of God that promises that all those things, those hard things, will be made new. And all those things will be redeemed. And so even in the face of those difficult trials, I can know that God is good and I can still be grateful. And so as we just close up with a few words about our financial giving to the church, our giving really is the result of gratitude. Gratitude for God himself Gratitude for his grace given to us in Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Gratitude for what he has given to us in this place. And perhaps a preemptive gratitude for what he will do for his kingdom through Church of Our Savior. It is my hope 
that you will not give simply as a sort of fee for services rendered. That is, according to what you think you get out of it, which would be a fine place to start, I suppose, but that your giving and my giving will be rooted in gratitude. Gratitude for God's grace and for what you and your family get out of church, to be sure, but beyond what you get out of it. That I hope that you see this place as having what many other people need. We have a mission. We want people to know Jesus. We, we want them to experience the same grace that we have all found here. We are here to help them wherever they are on their spiritual journey to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. And yes, we have to keep the lights on. And yes, we have to pay the staff. But we need to tell people about the great high priest. We need to tell people through word and deed that they have been saved to the uttermost if they will only believe. We need to offer creative worship experiences and engaging material and fun community events like the food trucks and the live nativity that's coming up. And so we're not asking you to give for us, but to give for Jesus. To give from your gratitude and to give to all that he can do for his own glory in this place. Because his priesthood is forever. And his sacrifice is good forever. And as long as the sun continues to rise and set over this beautiful piece of property that he has given to us, we will continue to proclaim his gospel to anyone who will listen and to do our best to extend his loving care to anyone he sends our way. So I hope that you will join us generously in that mission. Amen.